the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, Wim Liu. And joining me in studio, as he does every Tuesday, is Blake Murphy. Blake Murphy. We have to get you on for some uh, breaking news that just took place. Uh, Alex isn't here this week because you fired him as your agent? Uh, no, I would never do that to Alex. <laughs> he, he's very good at that stuff, actually. Um, no. I have to get you on for literal breaking news. Panic at a disco? Oh. Yeah. I thought you were going to go with the Fred firing his agent thing. Well, we will get to that. Don't worry. But I got to get to this joke up top. Yeah, I mean, you know, how are you feeling about this? Yeah, so I'm a little confused as to how a band breaks up when it's only one guy. Okay. It's like, like, I don't <laughs> you can break I, up with yourself. I don't really know. Cause if you could, I would have done that with myself a long time ago. Um, no, no but like therapy. panic at the disco is like, uh, like I, there are other members in the band, but it's always been Brandon Yuri, the lead singer. And then like a rotating cast of whoever he's doing sessions with or touring with or whatever. Like there is no band. It's just him under the name panic at the disco and like 10 day contracts like Joe Wieskamp played bass for a bit. And if you told me the, that before the Raptors had signed Joe Wieskamp, that Joe Wieskamp was the name of the drummer or the bassist for Panic! at Disco, I'd be like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah probably more of a country band vibe, yeah, yeah. but yeah, right. uh, I have no feelings on it. I just found it fascinating that a band that has become just one guy can, can break up. Yeah. Well, um, pour one out. Pour one out, seriously. Um, okay, so jokes aside, we're going to... Was that even a joke? That wasn't a joke. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, just two weeks away now. And obviously, there's been a lot of focus. Uh, and I don't want to be repetitive on this subject. However, like you just hear new things come up every single day, right? And so I think, especially having you here right now, let's just go through all the stuff that has essentially come out in the last, like, you know, day or so. Okay, so um, I, I touched on this a little bit with Grange uh, on yesterday's uh, show, and he, he gave some great insight, especially on the Gary side of things. Um, but the, the idea of the Raptors potentially uh, moving Gary as part of a three-way trade to return Yaka Pirtle, obviously San Antonio's been pretty steadfast. They want two first-round picks. Um, Which I, is, they got to come off of that. They're not going to get two first-round picks for a pending free agent. Who's yeah. He's probably going to make like $15 million in free agent. I know there were reports that he's going to get $20 million or something like that. Uh, I'd be a little surprised if he gets $20 million, and I'd be really surprised if they get two firsts for a pending free agent. Yeah, uh, I, I think, especially because I think as part of the other piece of the article by Spurs Talk, I think there was talk that I think Boston was going to offer them. Uh, apparently, they got a pick swap. They might just give them the pick outright. Mm. Something like that. But if that's essentially what you're bargaining against, then, of course, two first-round picks is a significant jump yeah. from going from a pick swap to a pick outright. But anyway, this idea, essentially, of flipping Gary for Pirtle, I mean, first off, where do you stand on that? Because I think it's just seeing the immediate reaction from most people, they're very confused as to why one of the worst shooting jump, one, one of the worst jump shooting teams in the league would trade probably their best jump shooter this season and maybe their best jump shooter overall, especially going forward, for someone who isn't even a free throw shooter. It's uh it's interesting when you put it that way. The other and I had a conversation with someone in my DMs this morning. The other thing is that if you look ahead to what we're projecting these guys to make in free agency, Gary projects to make more. So shouldn't that mean he's more valuable? 
in a vacuum, yeah, scorers get paid more. Scoring is the key asset, but the comparing Gary and Yak has a lot to do with roster construction and where you are on your developmental curve and how easily you think you can replicate those skills. I realize this sounds ridiculous given how much the Raptors have struggled to create offense and shoot over the last couple of years, but in a vacuum, Gary's skill set is a little bit easier to kind of patch together with bench guys mm. than Jakob Pertl's is. Now, at the same time, you can generally find less expensive centers than what Jakob Pertl projects to make. Like, right. you know, had you been in on, say, a Daniel Gafford, like that's, I know he's not, he's kind of fallen out of favor, but like he's going to make like 10 or 11 mil the next couple of years. Um, Rashawn Holmes, same kind of thing. Jakob Pertl's going to make more than those guys and, and I think his rim protection and rim deterrence is a little better than those guys, but offensively, you know, he's just a dunker. Mm. Um, so I don't know. It, it's kind of an eye of the beholder thing between Gary and Yak. I think the Raptors would, I mean, I had a deep, deep dive at sportsnet.ca today about all the defensive issues. And so many of them stem from having to overcompensate for not having rim protection. Right. Right. That I, I do think that, you know, uh, you flip Gary for Yak and, and suddenly this team at least performance-wise, looks like more what we thought they were, which is really good in transition, pretty good defensively, and then can't score in the half court. Right. Right now, they can't score in the half court anyway. I don't know how much worse it can get if you swap a guy out. Um, the other I, It could th- get a lot worse. It, I, sometimes it feels like no one's there to relieve. It could get a lot all worse. All the pressure in the paint outside of, of Gary knocking down some the, the one thing, though, and this is uh, like spacing isn't just three-point shooting – the vertical spacing of having an actual role threat. Like, look mm. at how much better the offense has looked since Scotty Barnes started being used as a screener more and since Preston Chachu has gotten his footing under him. Yeah, like, fair. the offense breathes a little bit easier when you have that north-south threat as well. And Jakob's a pretty good passer. Mm. So you look at those scenarios where, you know, you suck the the tagger in and he kicks it out to the corner or whatever. Maybe you can, you know, you, you'd be... It's an offensive downgrade, but the change in style and the change in options maybe works out the other complicating factor with that kind of a swap and paying Jakob in free agency is if this like the last I don't know five games precious kind of looks like the guy that we saw at the end of last year and I'm not saying you you don't go out and get a center because precious to is really good but you might not go out and spend big or spend assets on a center if you think he's going to play a chunk of that role next year. Right. It's tough. It, and these this is why, like, all these trade deadline things are related, right? Like, what you think of a Gary for Yak swap depends on what you think about Precious, and his spot also depends on, well, what do you what is the future for Siakam and OG look like? Mm-hmm. So it, it's complicated. You could make the case either way. Um I had a little bit of trouble. I went through some teams that have been reportedly interested in Gary or um, make sense as a Gary landing spot. It was a little tough to come up with a three-team deal where the Spurs wouldn't need a lot of extra pick compensation to eat a salary back to make that mm-hmm. work. Like, say Dallas wanted Gary. Okay. And Davis Bertens is the the contract that makes right, that work. Right. That's a he could shoot, but that's a bad contract. The Spurs probably want, like, if they want multiple picks for Jakob, they definitely want multiple picks to give up Jakob and take on a bad contract. Yeah, and then Dallas probably isn't in a position to do that. So I, I had a little bit of trouble um, coming up with what the three-team deal looks like, too. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, you know, I, I, I suppose, were we, were we were we here last week when we discussed 
potentially moving Gary and, and getting like something out of Charlotte. Maybe you reroute some of those. Yeah, because McDaniel's was the yeah. the buzzy name at that time. I don't. Yeah. I think if that's the case, um, you know, Charlotte was also a weird one because like to make the math work, you got to take on like a Kelly Oubre or something like that, and yeah. like what is that do for you other than like replacing the vibes and the fashion? Um, I don't know if like, it replaces the fashion. But, like, he's a, he's a pending free agent, too. Exactly, yeah. So well, I mean, you're, you're kind of mostly getting it for the expiring, I think. Yeah, Maybe you get a, a slight look at the guy. It's the know. thing is, like, he he then is in kind of the Rodney Hood role of, hey, you're involved yeah, in this norm for right. Gary Trent swap, but really only to make the money work. I'm not going to lie to you, man. When they got Rodney Hood, I was like, wow, one more guy who could score and then he immediately six points got off hurt. the bench. I was, that whole season, I just kept asking for somebody off the bench who can give you two buckets reliably. And I was happy that Rodney came, not in the sense that that was going to turn the season around, but just to see someone score two buckets, and he was not able to do that. Um, what about the, out of the league now, too? Yeah, a lot of guys in that Tampa team are out of the league, and and honestly, he's only you, thirty still. Yeah, I guess he had injuries, yeah, uh, a lot which of really, really, really hurt him there. Um, it just maybe the overall idea of Gary for center, maybe not Yaka Pertle, because honestly, you really can't find a player more different to Gary than Yaka Pertle. <laughs> <laughs> you probably can't yeah um but maybe okay so i think with yak the concern obviously would be the spacing even though he offers mm -hmm. a vertical threat maybe a different style of center yeah it's is that is, and again you use gary as sort of that piece to sort of make this thing come together because you know we've seen the raptors linked to a lot of centers and there's not a lot of like actively tradable players on the team no there aren't and, and like then it then it gets into who and you know what does that look like like the Kings are somehow third in the West right now. Like, would they, they're a team that always kind of has extra centers kicking around somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, like, would they... Hey, this might be, finally be the time to get Rashawn Holmes. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to dig in on the tape a little bit as to why he's only playing nine minutes a game. Guy's shooting 70% from the floor. Okay. Playing nine minutes a game. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. That's probably... Uh, that's he's, one, he's, he's one of those guys that almost reminds me of Christian Wood in a way. Not necessarily how they play, but just like... Their stats jump out, but they they don't really stick on teams. Yeah, I don't know why that is. Well, I know I know why with Christian Wood, and it's like it was one of the coolest draft lessons that I learned, or draft and G League lessons early in the nine hundred five. Is if you remember, he was in the same draft as Norm, and the second round that year, you know, Norm wasn't off board. Like I remember, we were both at the score at the time, and I had written a blurb on Norm that mm -hmm. was like basically because yep. I, I like UCLA, like that's the college team I would root for if I'm rooting for one. Okay. Um. And I was like, oh, I've seen this guy a lot. And, like, he can defend like heck. And, like, if he gets a three-point shot, he's an NBA player. Hilarious the way it turned out where he, he like, he's gone so far down the road of being an offensive player that it's yeah. his defense you sometimes worry about now. Um, but in that same draft, Christian Wood was a guy that a lot of people liked. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people wondered why he didn't go get drafted. It's the same with um, Deontay Davis in the Jakob Pertl draft. Right, right. Skull was in there, too. It was just kind of a mess of big men with tools. Yeah. And the thing with Christian Wood and Norman Powell, I remember hearing that basically, obviously, like, the mental side of player development is still a bit of a black box. But one of the things the team became fairly confident in through the draft workout process and interview process and stuff was Norm was a guy who... If he didn't have minutes because he was playing on a good team and he had to go to the 905, he would use that the right way. Right, like chip right. on my shoulder. I'm going to show exactly what Pascal told the Christian Coloco, right? right? Go down there and show that you don't need to be down there. Yeah. Don't go down there and pout or whatever. And Although Christian Coloco first uh, 905 game, six blocks. Yeah, 13 yeah. points. Uh, yeah, he was headed for uh, at halftime. He, had, he was on pace for a points blocks double-double. <laughs>
Um, he's back down there, by the way. He'll, yeah, he'll yeah, play yeah. there well, Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the thing with Christian Wood, and it took him a couple years in the G League to figure it out. Like, I think the Sixers ended up taking a flyer on him. Yep. And then there Milwaukee. was a year where the Raptors were in on him for a potential two-way spot, but he ended up with Milwaukee on that right. small guarantee. And he kept putting up these bonkers numbers in the G League. He was like 25 and 12 and like leading the league in blocks and shooting Damn, really like, efficiently. That's, that's called and a stuff. Chris Boucher, by the way. Yeah, yeah, it is. And like dominating summer league and yeah. stuff. And it's like, yeah. well, why isn't this guy getting signed? And it took a while because, yeah, for a, a long time, it was, well, it's just numbers and he's not sticking because like he's not helping a team win or he's mm. not, you know, okay. he went down to the G League and the, you know, I'm, speculating here but like the Sixers say hey we want you to work on this this and this because if you're ever going to get minutes for us this is the role we want you spacing around Embiid say mm -hmm. so we need you working on being a stretch four and he's isoing and driving to the bucket because that's the cool stuff and he's talented enough at the G League level to do that that's fair that's the kind of stuff you get into with him now I don't know if I don't know much about Holmes the person mm -hmm. um it's uh, it's a bit of a, a like I I've just never met the guy or, or heard much, um, and I think he bounced around teams in part because like he's that tier of center that like you're always kind of looking for an upgrade. Like if he's yeah. your if he's your starter, it's okay, but if Sabonis becomes available or right. Phoenix, if you draft DeAndre Ayton or I mean Philly, he was behind Embiid anyway, right, but right, for sure, um, yeah, he was kind of one of the process finds actually, one of the actual he guys was. they found, yeah. Uh, anyway, so Holmes is a is a guy. Like, who else are you looking at for Gary for a center type of deals? I mean, like, you know, maybe you tie it into a bigger thing and get Aiton from Phoenix. Depends. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, for me, if I'm Phoenix, I'm like, I'm not sure what I'm specifically building around. If Chris Paul's not elite, I don't know if more guards is the answer. But you do see Phoenix linked to a lot of Raptors players, right? You see it linked with Fred. You see it linked with Gary, I think, as, as well in the past. Maybe you roll the two of them up into Aiton. I don't know if that helps you, because again, you're literally going down to one shooter at that point mm -hmm. and another non-shooting center. And of course, Aiton's much more offensively gifted than uh, yeah. than Jakob, but then again, he's not as defensively sound. And he makes probably double what Jakob's going to make. Yeah, so... Which is, like, he's owed 32.5 next year, 34, and then 35.6. Mm. It's all guaranteed. There's no team option in there or anything like that. It's a lot of cake. Now, on this team, he'd probably average, like, 15 rebounds just by way of, like, they... <laughs> he'd, be the only, he'd be the only guy playing drop coverage. Obviously, he's a really good offensive rebounder. Yeah. Yeah, he'd, he'd probably put up, like, 20 and 15, but whether he actually makes the team better when you factor in the spacing stuff and the yeah. fact that you... You wouldn't have much of a choice but to get a little more conservative with your defensive schemes with mm -hmm. him as your center. It might um, not be a horrible thing, though. No, it, yeah. it might not be. Um, anyway, Aiton's, Aiton's a guy where, like, because of the contract, I don't get super excited about him as an option. But the thing that I wrote at Sportsnet last week, like, the, the important thing to remember is, like, if Fred and Gary walk in free agency, you don't have a path to replace them. Yes. So... You can still work on a sign-and-trade or something like that in the offseason or, or try to re-sign them and then maybe trade them down the line. Like, mm. keep them keep them in the mix, run it back, trade them later. But if you don't think you can re-sign one of those guys or you don't think that you'll want to pay what they're going to make, like, it is kind of a Gary for X or nothing. Right. If you assume, like, say Gary's, what did Grange tell you? Like 25 mil for, for Gary or something like that? He, he said it could have even been like, it, it might not still be the full term. Okay. He might do a shorter, essentially another two plus one kind okay. of thing. Yeah. Okay. But like, so say it's 25. Yeah. 
it's Gary at 25 or he leaves and you don't have the cap space to right. move him or you trade Gary now and even if it's not your favorite deal, it's better than Gary at 25 or Gary for nothing. I mean, it's similar to that. It's really just, we just rolled it's the, the norm, norm thing. Yeah. Like literally two years in advance. But it's more complicated now because Gary's young. Yeah. Like Gary is younger right now still than Norm was at that time. The Norm one made a, a fair amount of sense because if that team wasn't going to... Like, if that team wasn't it, you had to get something back for... Sure. Like, he was the sixth piece of the championship core to go, and you had gotten nothing back for the first ones. Yeah. So you had to kind of get something. But Gary just you know, turned 24 last week. To get that championship. That was that was nice. Yeah, yeah. I, I would... Re- but you don't have assets. This is yeah, baseball yeah. brain. How many years of control are those prospects, though, that got you Troy Tulowitzki and David Price and what's, the bat flip? And What's your boy Drew say? Flags fly forever? Yeah, That's I guess right. they don't really do a flag for the Raptors uh, or for the NBA. But um, Man, you can hardly even see the championship. Like, I was at the Leaf game last night. I was sitting up top. Mm. You can't even, like, you can see it a little bit from the gondola where we are. Mm. But on the other side, it's hard to see. It's just like wow. all these... So you, you go to the least game, but not the Rafs game. Hmm, tough. Okay. All right, Blake. Uh, I, see, I see where it is nowadays. I see where you're at. Yes. Yeah, so someone come through with Raptors tickets and I'll be at a Raptors game. Um, <laughs> oh, we a, need a, a, a... You don't have a lifetime pass Sell for all a, that you've done. Well, sometimes I want to go with a friend. Oh. And, like, enjoy myself. Well, I'll, I'll, you know, for me, I don't have this problem because all my friends are in the media. So I'm, I just I'm trying to learn. Anyway. I'm trying to learn that not everything has to be work and I'm allowed to just, like, enjoy a game sometimes. Yeah. But that's easier to do on Leafs because, like, Raptors, obviously I'm watching the game at home if I'm not there. Right. Um, the other thing, too, is, like, my show goes until 7 o'clock. So yeah. it's hard to get to the arena. That's fair. Time. That's fair. Yesterday our show ended at 6.30. That's why I was able to do it. Mm. Um, okay. The other news today, and this one is actually – I mean, decently substantial. Um, so Chris Haynes reported that Toronto Raptors point guard Fred Van Vliet has parted ways with his agents uh, at Parlay Sports and Entertainment ahead of free agency, um, and he, that the 28-year-old will choose his next agent in the near future, which makes sense. Obviously, you know, maybe a big summer coming up for Fred in terms of financial decisions. Um, yeah. A- anything to read into this? I mean, it's not insignificant. Yeah, there's always something to read into that. Like, you don't move off of your representation if you're 100% happy with how things have gone. Um, I don't think Fred could be too unhappy backward looking. Mm. Um, Obviously, you know, undrafted, he's talked about how he kind of stewarded that where he didn't want to land in a spot um, where he'd be locked into to a two-way or bad situation or whatever. Um, and then he ended up, you know, it was a minimum, but it was only a two-year deal and it let him hit restricted free agency really early. At that time, he got the max on a two-year deal that he could have possibly gotten. Right. And then he got what I think everyone would consider like a pretty fair deal that he's playing on right now. Like, I don't yeah. think even, even, you know, if you're, I know people have been up and down with Fred over the last two years, but I don't think anyone could argue that like four years 82 million or whatever ended up being wasn't like fair value for a guy who made an all-star game in that stretch Mm. um and you know has been at times your best and often your second best player um but you know the timing of hey there were those leaks about his contract talks and then he had that post-game thing where he was like, I, I'm upset that this got out and yeah. I'm going to address it. Um, it's hard for me not to think those things are maybe related. Sure. Um, maybe there was a, a leakiness. I don't know. Um, you know, over the years, you get to know people's representation a little bit. And, mm-hmm. you know, the person at Parlay that that I have a bit of a relationship with, 
um, you know, I always got a, a good impression from and Fred always gave a good impression of, but sometimes this is just business. And yeah. I okay. do wonder, you know, if you were listing NBA players who are, who would potentially represent themselves and save that percentage, okay. uh, I think Fred is up there. Um, now, not many guys actually do that, but I do wonder if like that's, you know, someone in his camp is an option and he's a little curious ahead of free agency you know, the money's going to be what it's going to be. He, like, I'm sure he understands the salary cap ramifications and everything and, and that he's coming off of, you know, a couple years where he's been banged up and stuff. Mm. Um, but there are non-contract things that agencies can do for you or help you with too. And I, I wonder if that's something he wants to explore and he wanted to get ahead of it now. More um, sponsorships? No, okay. Buddy, have you seen his Instagram? It's not possible. No, I'm kidding, man. Everything Everyone go get the bag, myself yeah. included, actually. I'm su I, Honestly, I'm surprised that, like, I know we have the little ads on the jerseys now and stuff. Like, I'm surprised that there isn't, like, an individual sponsor for each bucket that Fred hits. Mm. Like, that that three brought, to, like, you know how Devlin calls out the city? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Instead, Devlin's going to get an ad read for everyone. Uh, that three from the Canada Goose Factory in, I don't know, wherever they make Canada Goose stuff. Yeah. You know, let's not get into how they make Canada Goose stuff. It's uh, it's, it's it's maybe a little uh, jarring to hear sometimes. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway, yeah. I, I do think it's something. I think it tells you that either the way the reporting's been handled around it or just his feeling heading into free agency. And I, I think, you know, it's helpful for a player and an agent to do this now versus at the start of free agency. Mm. That's like, fair. This gives, you know, you wouldn't want to leave the agent or the agency in a tough spot heading into free agency, you wouldn't, and they've like focused a lot of attention and time and stuff on, on figuring out your next deal. Uh, and for him, this gives him a little bit of runway to talk to other groups and stuff. And uh, yeah, it's an important time. I was going to say, it's just two weeks before the trade deadline. That, mm -hmm. That's a heavy time for everybody. And look, there's no tampering in the NBA. Of course. N never. Uh, not never. unless you want to lose your 59th overall pick. Oh man, no Dewan Hernandez. Don't do it. Um, no, yeah, no Jalen Harris. Remember the year they drafted Dewan and ended up with four guys on the roster that they had looked at with that pick. Like, oh, first off, like only you remember this. But second of all, O'Shea, yeah. Terrence Davis, and Shamori Pons were all guys that they were like considering with that fifty-nine pick. You know what? Two so, of those guys for for guys in that range did decently well. Yeah, yeah. Not the two that uh, the not the one they drafted. Yeah. Um, and Shamori Pons wasn't, uh, although Shamori Pons did me a big favor by getting cut right as I went on that 905 trip that I went on because uh -huh. I got to write the Paul Watson get signed angle because Watson took his spot. Right. So right. shout out to Shamori Pons. Is Paul Watson in the league right now? Is he still? No, uh, he, he had gotten injured and is like just working his way back. Now. That's tough. Yeah. That's tough. Um, because it felt like there was real momentum that he would eventually break through eventually. Yeah. Maybe it not did with the Raptors, like but it, somewhere else. Yeah. I mean, in OKC, he had some flashes yeah. and stuff, and yeah. they're kind of like, process adjacent we're just going to run through guys and see what clicks and keep sure. running through we're going to start two guys named jalen williams uh it's very hey, confusing it's not confusing <laughs> for me anymore one of them is secretly asian all right really yeah, like yeah. half filipino or He's half viet okay. or maybe a quarter viet or something okay. like that but i'm claiming it. that's it's good fine. to know yeah uh um anyway so yeah. sorry all i was going to say is there's no tampering in the nba of course yes but any team acquiring fred van bleed is going to want to have some conversations about what the future looks like mm. and you know i i'm sure if a trade was getting far enough down the line the Raptors wouldn't step in the way of those conversations being had. And so it's, it's maybe helpful to do that right now as well. Well, speaking of which, um, this latest from Mark Stein, who has a pretty good sub, uh, sub stack. If you, I mean, it's, it's similar to the, the columns you used to write in the past. Um, anyway, this is whatever. Go, go buy Mark Stein's sub stack. But um, the word is that um, 
realities have prompted the Suns to start assessing their post-Chris Paul future and thus identify Charlotte's Terry Rozier, New York's Emmanuel Quickly, and Toronto's Fred Van Vliet as potential trade targets. Um, that's the latest word from Stein that the Suns uh, have identified. Sorry, Fred. can you read that first sentence again? Uh, word is that those realities have prompted the Suns. I think the previous sentence okay. before this. No, no, no. Yeah. If if your realities prompt you to look at Terry Rozier, first of all, drop all the psycho babble, um, but reevaluate those okay. realities. First off, I don't know if there's like... This is if, if this is where Fred's conversations are at. This is tough because he shouldn't really be in the same conversation as these guys. No, he is. I mean, like, no offense to these guys. Like, I, I think Terry Rozier is a very talented scorer, as we've seen coming to Toronto. But like, they don't have the same resume, and also they're probably not going to get the same money as Fred, right? So these I are mean, three Terry very Rozier different. next three years is averaging twenty five mil. Okay, see, uh, that's 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 good. Yeah, he's got three years, seventy five left on his deal. Yeah, well, well, don't you want guard Julius Randle? No, I, I have a long time thing with Terry Rozier. I'm sure he's uh sure he's fun to watch when you're uh on a bad team and he can get twenty because he's a bucket getter and it doesn't oh, he's really a matter. Bucket. He's a bucket. This um, guy made so many fadeaway corner threes. But yeah, like my piece at Sports today, like there's a reason I work the lead around Terry Rozier making bad decisions. Yeah. Because it's funny to me and um now that he's not hitting threes at a very good clip, uh it's uh it's a little dicey there. But I mean honestly the Suns though, for Phoenix or for Fred? Yeah, like a team that, yeah, for Phoenix. So what's going to get hard here is like you're either taking Aiton back or you're working a bigger package where Jay Crowder's going somewhere else mm-hmm. and you probably take Dario Sharitz back uh, to, to make the money work. And then maybe you have to take Landry Shamet back too, who isn't like the worst thing in the world to All have right, a couple listen, years of at $9 I'm happy million. With that, man. Yeah. Like, you, want, you want Joe Wieskamp on a full salary? There you go. Yeah. Well, at $9 million, Yeah. Um, but no, it's a it's a guy who can shoot and like especially in a scenario if you're trading Fred and Gary, having a guy who could play 20 minutes a game and sometimes start and is comfortable in a kind of a bench shooter role, like whatever you you wouldn't like scoff at the the nine million he's owed mm-hmm. each yeah, of the yeah, next fair. couple of years. Fair, fair. Um, but I I mentioned Shamit and Sharich and uh, Crowder just to highlight the the complicated cap side of things where like yeah. And this is going to come up with a lot of teams, but it especially comes up with the Suns because they're so top heavy and have like $151 million committed to like six guys next year. Yeah. Which is probably why they want to move off Aiden. But we'll see. I don't know. Here's the thing with Phoenix that I don't understand. And maybe a Phoenix Suns fan who's watching or something can explain this to us is like, if you, I mean, first of all, why didn't you just trade Aiden in the offseason if he's really not a part of the <laughs> they future? They made it very clear that, uh, you but know. like, if Chris Paul him. is not like if you're moving off of Chris Paul at some point, like what is the guy you're adding is not Pete Chris Paul. Nobody's Pete Chris Paul. Uh, yeah. Not in the league. No. And like, yeah, he has two years left on his deal, but like next year's a partial guarantee and the year after that's a, a non guarantee. So like, I'd assume any team taking him on is probably doing it to get at a half the money next year and they, they won't pick up those options. Um, the idea of Chris Paul becoming by next year one of the guys that just like floats around on minimum contracts mm. and is like, like he's so insanely competitive and he's like still pretty good, like not thirty five million dollars good, but like still could help a playoff team. That's a fun like late career act for Chris Paul. Yeah, future Lakers point guard Chris no, Paul. He he's definitely gonna go ring chasing, and I, I I mean I feel like his whole career has been ring chasing, but not in the same way. Like it's not like guys like taking the minimum and going different places and trying to get that last, you know, like like the Tracy McGrady style one. But like 
yeah for chris i mean it'd be i guess it'd be decent if he won it is kind of funny that he hasn't won um it, you know he's been in the playoffs 14 seasons right so there's 14 walk-offs where he looks really sad at the minimum um you know another team potentially interested in fred van vliet is uh this is kevin o'connor of the ringer passing this along front of the program uh, Clippers are interested in Kyle Lowry and Fred VanVleet. Okay, here, you know what? And not Kyle, not Kevin's report, but also Serge Ibaka was the report after the, after it came out that the Bucks are gonna are open to dealing him. They also want Serge back. Yo, what are they trying to? They're literally gonna try to put out a 2019 Raptors roster, right? I'm sure at one point the Raptors put, played a lineup. It would have been weird, but they probably played at one point Serge, Kyle. Fred and Norm together at the same time because that and of course Kawhi like I think that's an actual 2019 lineup that they could put together if they actually make these acquisitions now of course they're not going to acquire both Kyle and Fred um but yeah I mean I don't know what what, what do the Clippers really have to offer in the in this sense well I they, mean a lot of their picks are tied up as well I was gonna say like you I really like man okay but like he like man and if you like a mere coffee that's basically it for their assets that are yeah. movable and like their picks all come with like complications around like oh can you you know you have to change this protection or negotiate this other thing like Oklahoma City owns the Clippers for the next what is it 2023 first round pick swap 2024 first round pick outright 2025 first round pick swap 2026 pick outright so, like, you're looking at 2028 is the earliest pick they could move. That yeah. do anything for you? Like, it's it's an asset. And to be like, clear, a 2028 pick could very well be a 13-year-old walking around the earth right now. Yeah. Which is not to say that that's not, picks aren't worth value. It is just Wemby got a younger brother? How, I mean, maybe. <laughs> um, but, no, uh, that's that's what you're going to run into with yeah. with uh, teams like the Clippers and a couple other teams. And, and I know you, you kind of prompted me with some questions, and I went through – the assets that everyone has and like Memphis and the Pelicans own and the jazz own all the picks. Yeah. And well, the thunder, of course. And, and the nice thing is they're good now too. So you would think that maybe they will flip some of those. Um, maybe for some, but listen, we'll, we'll get to that in the second half, as you mentioned, because uh, I, I do think it's also interesting, not just looking at the specific reports, but looking at the landscape and trying to figure out sort of a top down rather than a bottom up approach. Um, yeah. The Clippers, I, I don't think they have what it takes to get Fred. No, quite honestly, unless the rap is just literally like they love, Terrence Mann that much, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's... And, like, even then, the Suns, he, like, he makes nothing. Yeah. So, like, you're you're eating, like, at, like Robert at Covington least or Robert Covington or Luke Kennard's years. You want Norm back? No. I, I, I don't think I'm they sure, would do that. I, I'm sure they... I'm, I'm not sure they would not part with any more pieces of the 2019 Raptors. They could no, just... They, you know what? They, they just can, honestly not, get Jeremy Casper to coach that team. Star search at five. Kawhi at four. You've had Malcolm can, Miller on the program before, right? Text him. Uh, <laughs> see, see if he wants to play for the Clippers. Probably, yeah, man, the Clippers probably dying, man. They're probably on, online with, with Jordan Lloyd as well right now. Um, another report, this one from Bruce uh, Arthur, uh, that the Raptors want multiple unprotected firsts for OG. We've heard essentially variations of this throughout, um, and that one team has offered three first-round picks for OG. Obviously, the Raptors have not taken that deal. Um, I mean, I think the, the one of the key distinctions here to note is that, like, it's just because you hear first doesn't necessarily, like, clearly all firsts are not equal. No. Right? Not just because like of the protections can... and all that kind of stuff, but also which teams you're, you're taking them from. Yes. Three first sounds like, wow, that's a big, big deal. The reason why um, it was a big deal that Atlanta got three firsts in their thing was because two of them were completely unprotected. And from a franchise in Atlanta that looked and definitely is 
pretty in disarray right now. I mean, like they changed GMs midseason to Landry Fields, who I think the Raptors might still be able to start him in time for game seven to throw against Joe Johnson. Um, so, you know, that's there's a big difference there. Yeah, I, I'm, like, I'm just, I, I mean, these are they might be three bad first picks around. Sure. Essentially, like you know? the Pelicans, you know, you can look at, well, OK, there's a, you know, let's say they're in a deal with the Pelicans and, and we're talking three picks. Well, one of those could be the unprotected Lakers pick in 2024 that has the option to defer to 2025. That is maybe the most valuable pick out there. Mm. Like a potentially unprotected 2025 Lakers first. Right. Is maybe the most valuable pick on the market. Short of like a bad team first this year. Yeah. Like, which they're just not going to trade. But New Orleans also has, say, the right to swap firsts with the Bucks next year. Like that's a first. Yeah. But it's a late, it like almost guaranteed to be between 25 and 30. Guaranteed. Next year. Legit it, It's still an asset. But it doesn't really mean the same thing. So when right, you say right. three firsts, and then some of these firsts end up like you you get some of them with the de-escalating protections where it's like, oh, it's lottery protected this year and then top eight protected and top five protected. And if it still hasn't conveyed, then it's two seconds. Right. And if you get into some of that stuff, it's like it, when we were all waiting for the Rui return the other day, it's like, okay, three seconds, but like, what are they? Mm-hmm. And then it turned out that one is pretty good. Yeah, one is probably going to be in the early 40s this year. And then the other two are like so far in the future that they'll be traded 50 times before those right, drafts. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, that that's the other thing. But three firsts is their assets. Yeah. It, it Yeah. Um, I'm not surprised that they didn't move forth for that type of package. I really do think that... Um, Unprotected, obviously, is, like, fairly rare nowadays. It, it, honestly, the, the NBA kind of just stopped trading those for a while, and now they've kind of come back in that direction. I don't know um, if the immediate returns in Atlanta or Minnesota have have <laughs> pushed them in that direction of, like, hey, this is a good idea. We can keep doing it. Uh, if anything, it was more of a cautionary tale. But, um, yeah, I, I think in the case of OG, like, you probably want at least some more immediacy in terms of, like, which prospects are you getting? Because a first sounds like a first – but like a first in this upcoming draft, you can at least visualize who that is, right? Mm-hmm. There's like a, a broad range of like five to ten guys that, that that could be. And you know where you are, right? You know yeah. this first is going to play with our other first and Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam. And yes. this is what it looks like. A 2027 first from a team that we don't know how good they're – that is like nothing – it's not nothing, but it's nothing for the purposes of planning with this roster – that's nothing other than, oh, that's an asset for later. Yes. And, and like, it could be a great asset for later. You never know. But ultimately. Um, could be. There's a reason the Raptors don't, yeah. as a general strategy, don't trade far out first round picks. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Because you don't know. And like the other thing is like, what is the player coming back with it? If it's like Dyson Daniels, who was just a lottery pick. Yeah. Well, then that's kind of like getting another first, you know, you just have burned a year off of it or whatever. So that's where, you know, three firsts. And I'm not saying Bruce didn't do a good job reporting that out because he did, Mm -hmm. but like, yeah, for us to evaluate that, like it's not enough to, yeah, to go on. Um, Last thing before we go, um, there was one trade that did take place yesterday, actually right as the show was happening. Um, But Rui Hachimura was, was, was agreed to be dealt from Washington to Los Angeles. I think Rui gave an interview last week where he was just like, look, I just want to be where I'm wanted. Which, you know, like, listen, I think everyone can sort of relate to that idea. Um, so ultimately, I guess the Lakers was that spot. Uh, the Lakers will send back Kendrick Nunn and three second-round picks. Um, I mean, first off, is Rui that good? 
I don't think he's bad. I think a lot of why he hasn't gotten traction is that he's, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Sure. And it's like every time he seems to What about three-point shooting in defense, though? It's pretty popular for big He shot 45% on threes last year. It wasn't a huge volume, but like for his career, he's exactly league average from three. All right. Look, if they can stretch that, he's clearly can shoot from mid-range. If he can stretch it out to the three, I think that would really help. Yeah, like he's he's roughly an average efficiency scorer. Like it's not not what you want from a a guy who has, you know, a career usage rate under 20%. Like he's not... He's not dealing with a, a ton of difficult possessions or whatever, um, but he's a really good finisher. Mm. And with the Lakers, you'd imagine his shot diet for the rest of this year is probably going to be threes and whatever transition stuff you can get at the rim. I think it's a good flyer for the for the sure. Lakers. Like, if you're the Lakers and you're in win now mode around LeBron, like seconds mean almost literally nothing to you. Sure. And Kendrick Nunn is bad. Yeah. Okay. So why did Washington do this deal? Three seconds. And they're out on Rui. Yeah. All right. It's kind of a nothing burger. I mean, like, I, I, it's not like one I like of those first more... deals that, like, allows the floodgates to open. Like, I don't think no. this, I don't think Rui or three second round picks from the Lakers, and, and some of them, I think, from different teams as well, um, was going to hold up the market. You know no. what I mean? So, what was the, there was a deal the other year that where it was four second round picks for someone. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I, and apparently, wasn't a report that, like, does, Rockets turned down four second round picks for Eric Gordon or something like that. Yes, that's what it was. Bucks offering four second round picks for Eric Gordon. <laughs> four uh, second round picks is so funny. They're like, look, I, how many nickels can I get? I thought there was can a I give you to pay for this. It's like, two, it's like, I don't but, know, man. Do you have credit card? Oh yeah, that's what. So uh, to eat DeAndre Jordan, to eat DeAndre Jordan's money. Uh-huh. Uh So this was um, ahead of the 2021-22 season. Nets have traded DeAndre Jordan and four second round picks and six million dollars for Jaleel Okafor and Sekou Dumboya, right. the uh, baby Pascal, as Dwayne Casey called him. Yeah, Dwayne Casey. I mean, listen, we all know Dwayne Casey is a good person, a great, great uh, quote, very, very generous with his time. But he does have this tendency where he likes to compare prospects to to players that he's coached in the past, great players that he's coached in the past. And of well, course, Pascal was Bo Outlaw for a really long time right, until, see, that, until Pascal blew Bo Outlaw away. Yeah, I, I mean, that's, yeah. I think Dwayne Casey didn't see Pascal come in the way that Pascal ultimately came. I don't think anyone did. I mean, I've written I mean, about honestly, this before. I'm sure you have as well. Like, like once things started clicking, they were like, oh, they, yeah, this guy could be a lot. But yeah. If they really like this oh, is the well, they old, want to draft him over Jakob Pertl first. Right. Off. This is yeah. the Draymond Green Tom Brady thing. It's like if you really want credit for that and mm. you thought that he was gonna be this good, like you wouldn't have taken Fesses Azelli a couple picks before Draymond Green. You would have made sure you got Draymond Green. Wasn't Harrison Barnes on the same draft too? Yeah. 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 I think Makes so. Sense. All right. Okay, look, we we've gone long enough. We're gonna take a quick break. I'm your host, Will Lou. That's Blake Murphy. You're listening to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back 
to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Continue to be joined by Blake Murphy. Um, okay, so we have two options here. We got 10 minutes. We can either talk more trade deadline stuff, or we can talk about your piece about why the Raptors' defense has fallen off, which is up on sportsnet.ca. Blake, even though I'm the host, I'm giving you the option. What do you want to talk? You want to talk ball or you want to talk fake ball? Uh, let's talk ball because I think that piece informs some of why, even though the Raptors have size across a lot of positions, there are people still talking about this team's need for a center. And yeah, the Vision 6-9 stuff, but some of what I dove into in the defense is just like, basically the whole thing's designed to, well, first to force turnovers, but also like, hey, you don't have rim protection. Mm. So how do you keep teams away from the rim? How do you force teams to inefficient parts of the floor? And it does seem a little bit like opponents have figured it out or it's just too exhausting. Right, right. Um, okay, yeah. So, you know, um, listen, I, I didn't get a full chance to, to go through the piece just yet, but, um, you know, obviously the Raptors defensively you have been very disappointing. No, listen, I was, I was fully in the Raptors locker, you know, media room, you know, I was getting ready to, you know, ask okay. some questions. Um, and then Vivek was like, yo, you want to go to lunch afterwards? And I was like, their yeah. names are. Yeah, their names are Vivek Jacob, right? I'm blaming V on this one. V showed me this, like, great shawarma spot in, in, uh, in, in uh, around Kipling Station, actually. It's really nice. I, I, uh, you know what? I'm going to look up the name because I want to uh, shout it out. Wait, wait, wait. Anyway. Why were you what? up near Kipling Station when you're coming from the Raptors practice facility? I know. Facility it was that here. good. It was that good of a spot that Vivek was like, you want to go to lunch out in a Tobuco? And I'm like, honestly, I got to be back at, like, you know, you know Young and Bloor here. Uh, by 2 p.m. This is where we really missed that island foods that used to be at King and Dufferin. That was clutch. Yeah. yeah. That was clutch. Because there's not that many good food options within walking distance. You'd have to like <laughs> essentially... Quiznos? I actually... I honestly, I'm ashamed to say I've had that Quiznos more I've, than a few times. I have eaten at that Quiznos before, for sure. Uh, actually, yeah. it's it was like for a couple years, there was like an annual when James Herbert of CBS Sports was back in Toronto because uh-huh. I guess they don't have them in the U.S. or they don't have them in New York or whatever. Wow. Um, they, they, they don't have the, the cuisine of Quiznos. The Quiznos cuisine. Canada's finest food. Um, yeah. No, uh, anyway, so the piece isn't anything that, like, you haven't yeah. noticed watching the team or, um, you know, when we have conversations. You and I have kind of dug into the defense a couple times. But, like, again, I'll do this thing where I turn my little spreadsheet around, see how all those things are going from green to red. That's the Raptors' defense over the last five years in a bunch of different categories. The only one that's still green Forcing turnovers, blocking threes. Mm. All the things that happen in between that have gone the wrong way. Now, you could try to make a positive out of like, well, teams don't beat them in the pick and roll that much. Well, you know why? It's because the Raptors have been like the worst team defending spot ups for years. We know they give up a lot of corner threes, but they think the aggressive switching and the length and the speed closing out can account for that a little bit. And it's worth it to put so much pressure on the ball that opponents are really uncomfortable all the sure. time and i started the article actually going into the two games against the hornets yep. and yeah it's just the hornets but in the final four minutes of both of those games they were still within reach and the raptors had a steal in both of them around the four minute mark where one was Lamelo ball one was terry rozier both trying to feed Plumley, mm. basically wide open inside and a raptor came out of nowhere and took the ball right and then you saw it down the stretch those guys would not pass the plumb lead like wide open under the net. Mm. And that's kind of the idea. Everyone's uncomfortable. Everyone second guesses their passes or their dribbling lanes or whatever. Um, but this type of style requires unbelievable connectivity of 
okay, if I get beat here and instead of recovering normally, I'm going to try to poke the ball free because yeah. that's what our defense does. And if I miss on that, someone's got me here and then someone's got them and I've got to get back here to their man. Like we've seen for most of the second half of last season in the whole run it back year, this can work. Mm-hmm. Sure. But it requires a lot of energy and a lot of focus and a lot of guys being on a string. And I think we're seeing now that, you know, the – the margin for error is pretty slim where so opponents are taking almost 16% of their field goal attempts against the Raptors from the corner three. That's a lot. It's going to break their own record. Yeah. They're also taking 36.4% of their field goal attempts at the rim, which is a ton also. Just to be clear, these are literally the two most efficient spots that you want to shoot from on offense. Other than the free free throw line. Yeah. Which, I mean, I think the Raptors might be slightly better in terms of are because they've been getting the line a lot, which is uh, a little surprising (laughs) just given their play style and everything. But we talk so much about like how the Raptors win the possession battle so that they can, you know, you don't have to get as many points per possession if you get way more shooting possessions. Mm -hmm. And that's been true. They've taken 353 more field goal attempts of their opponents this right, year. Right. They have taken six fewer field goal attempts from those high efficiency areas. Wow. Okay. So all basically all the extra, not only are opponents shooting better on threes and at the rim than the Raptors are, but all the extra possessions the Raptors are getting in relative terms are those low efficiency, like high mid range, deep floater range looks. Yeah. And they just, I don't know the strategy you, when I lay the strategy out in the piece or when I lay it out in my head or, or watch it unfolding, it makes sense. Like, you don't have a traditional center. Mm-hmm. You have all this size. You have these really good individual defenders, and you have the best transition offense in the league. So build the strategy around that. And again, you've seen two in two of the last four years what it looks like when it's working. Right now, there are below-average defense that is really struggling in the half court, and... I don't know. I think a part of this offseason, a part of the trade deadline discussions around whether it's Jakob Pertl or the need to add a center in the offseason or whatever, or it's just informs the Precious Achua decision, um, not even decision because he, he's under contract a while, but just like his usage and how you view him long term is that without that rim protector, without a real center or someone you're confident playing center full time, there is a physical toll to guys like Scotty and OG who have to play minutes there. And, you know, Scotty, OG, Pascal, and Fred are all top 11 in the league in miles traveled on defense per mm. game. Yeah. Top 11. Yeah. That's a lot. There's a toll to that. And then there's also, like, when the scheme is this complex and requires this much connectivity, you know, you you start to understand why Nick Nurse doesn't trust some guys on defense. But then that's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Because how do you get the reps to be a part of it? So, I think that the my key takeaway from this piece, and sorry, I'm rambling a little bit now, but um, and I've said this a couple times on Twitter and stuff, is versatility is not just about guys who could switch a pick and roll. Mm-hmm. It's about being able to play different styles, match up to different... Like, if you are the best team in the league, you don't have to worry that much about matchups because other teams have to match up to you. Sure. If you're a mid-level team or, like, a second-tier team, if you're in that, like, 5 to 10 range in the league, you might have to play... Like you might have to change your style matchup wise to yeah. account for an opponent. And I just think some of what's been lost in the division six, nine, and it's not as if they've had great centers available to them that they were just like, no, thanks. Like they tried two years ago with Aaron Baines and Alex Len and it, it didn't work out. And they um, to Nick Claxton, which would have looked like a really good move. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I think there was briefly a Jared Allen rumble before he got traded. Like, that would be a great fit, too. But mm-hmm. um, when your personnel makeup makes it so that you can only really play one style or you're only really comfortable playing one style, um, it's hard. It's hard over 82 games. It's yeah. hard if you have injuries. Can work, but it's uh, <laughs> it's heavy. Nick wants it to be one way. But it's the other way this season. Um, every second year works really well. Uh, listen, maybe you only have the energy once every yeah. two years to play as as dedicated as you need. Um, okay, really quickly before. Okay, so definitely go read the piece. It's up on sportsnet.ca. Just look for Blake's uh, byline. Um, because there's only four questions I prepare for you here, and we can do a little rapid fire for about a minute. Let's just go through these. Okay, because these are the four questions I was going to okay. ask you. Okay, number one, um, before the trade deadline, which team will pivot to a tank? Uh, among good teams. Yeah. Among, like, decent teams. Obviously, like, you know, no, no contender is going to tank. Uh, Utah. Utah, okay. Um, is the playing tournament affecting whether or not teams ultimately tank, even when they shouldn't, but ultimately they're deciding not to because they could chase it? Yes, but only for teams in certain spots. Like, if you are if you're contending or a team that wanted to contend, you have to push. If you're the Lakers, Minnesota, whatever, mm. Phoenix, you don't have a choice because okay. you have too much invested. Um, the, it's more interesting for teams like Indiana – where it's like, hey, maybe this is part of the development. Okay, fair. Um, biggest impact player to change teams ahead of the trade deadline? Mm, it's a long shot, but for the sake of taking a long shot, DeMar. Ooh. Bulls got to blow it. Bulls need to blow it up way more than the Raptors need to blow it up. I agree. I agree. I mean, if they blow up DeMar, I mean, they, they Vucevic, maybe they keep Zach. Vuce is a pending free agent, too. Yeah. And the DeMar-Zach fit is just... I know they like each other and stuff. It doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, and the last one, uh, which contender has the best assets to make a trade with? Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans or Memphis Grizzlies. Pelicans have 11 firsts over the next little window, including a couple of really lightly protected ones or not protected at all. Mm. And then they obviously have one of the younger rosters in the league. Grizzlies, if you want players who can contribute immediately, probably a little better. They also have nine first-round picks, including a Warriors pick that has de-escalating protections that would be unprotected in 2025. Damn. Yeah, that sounds pretty good. All right, we've run out of time, um, so I had to say goodbye here. By the way, actually, really quick, the 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 the, uh, the, the shawarma place that I mentioned in oh. this, in Etobicoke, in, in Zayzun. All right, Z-A-Y-Z-O-U-N. Shout out to them. Um, but we've, we've, we've run out of time here today. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. I've been your host, Will Lou. That's Blake Murphy. And you were listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. We'll be back tomorrow with less trade talk and actually more basketball talk. The size of this roti. 